You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since 1977. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. How do you like that? I'm going to croon you. Oh my God. Those are such dulcet tones. I'm going to croon. Is it swoon or croon? It's croon, Croon. right? You're you're crooning, I'm swooning. There we go. That's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) We are back. Uh, You know, we're awake. Like like the New York groove, (laughs) as Ace Frehley would uh, Yeah. Say, <laughs> man, I haven't heard that song in a long time. All right, I qu- I quit. I'm leaving. Wow, that's a deep deep <laughs> cut there, man. Deep cut. Um, welcome back to the gentleman's got a midnight cinema. We're going to talk about some movies this week. We're going to spend a lot of time in Italy over the next couple of weeks. I think. Ah, uh, yeah, actually, we are. Yeah, I think three of the four movies we're covering over the next two weeks will be Italian mm-hmm. in origin. It helps that I like pasta. And I'm not gluten uh, well, intolerant. It also helps so. that you like Italian cinema because there's a well, lot of fo- there's a lot of folks out there who, believe it or not, don't really care for these Italian films. I find these people specious <laughs> to be. We, yeah, we need to question those people. Frank. Yeah, right. We need to group them together. <laughs> we gotta gather up their. We gotta get their cards. <laughs> yeah. I now, want some uh, passports for that shit. Yeah, I want to see your papers. I do not understand <laughs> why you do not like the Italian Where films. Where are your papers? Well, here in the, the Das Papieren, <laughs> my hair. This week we're going to be talking about Black Sunday from 1960, directed by yes. one Mario Bava. Indeed. And uh, Little Rita in the West from mm-hmm. 1967, directed by one Ferdinando Baldi. Baldi. Yeah, this is also known as uh, Crazy Westerners. Westerners. Yeah. Which um, I had to look that up because I, I, was, I was looking through when I was uh, watching Little Rita. I was looking through and I was like, "Wow, Little Rita's hard to find anywhere." And then I realized that it really is almost everywhere you look. It's under crazy westerner westerners, which I thought was a different mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. So, because I'd always known this as Little Rita in the West, because of it being a uh, basically just a vehicle for uh, Rita Pavone. Rita Pavone, yeah. yeah. Which we'll talk more about that here in a little bit, but uh, that's what we're covering. Um, 
uh, two very Italian films, um, and we'll discuss why <laughs> in some ways. Uh, and we'll also discuss why one translates better than the other, I think, probably to American audiences. Um, we might. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll try to explain that. I don't know if we'll. I don't know if we'll succeed. I mean, we'll we'll, well, give, we'll we'll give it a shot. That's always the trick, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons why I don't go back and listen to the show. You know? Yeah, no, never, ever, 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 no. ever. You know, I don't even. You know, I, don't, I I already know how stupid I am. I really don't need to hear it. I don't need to question myself any more than I already do. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, I think I have a piece of feedback this morning. Ah. I don't know if I've, uh, probably, well, I probably haven't told you that, but let me see if I can, uh, kind of cue it up here. Pretty sure I do. And we'll get it going. Oh man. Coffee. uh, I'll turn it down. Coffee, uh, coffee belch this morning. It's, uh, not exactly ideal to have those early in the morning. They are, uh. Vicious, to say the least. Sorry, I don't even know what impersonation I'm doing at this point. Maybe the uh, <laughs> one of the characters from another film we watched. Uh, you guys are alive and on the air and exciting. Getting, do, 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 getting do, do. to hear the uh, or the rem- the uh, uh, how long it takes my computer sometimes to. Uh, I love how we're just showing this is complete behind the curtain bullshit. Yeah, this is kind of how normal. The show, this, <laughs> this is normally how we just fucking. This is kind of how the show goes. Our morning, mm-hmm. and and you're living it. So congratulations. All right, I got it. Here we go. Here uh, from uh, Walter. Here you uh, Walter's All right, call. Cool. Here it goes. Let's see. We'll see if we can hear this. If it plays, it doesn't uh, act like it wants to play. Try again. Here we go. Gentlemen, this is Walt. Uh, Todd mentioned uh, 39 Steps, and uh, I can kind of see the uh, influence of uh, Hitchcock on uh, Total Recall, actually. Funny enough, the kind of wrong man, man on the run type of uh, scenario. And I can picture uh, a more svelte actor instead of Schwarzenegger. Uh, Now, being sort of a literary person, literature person myself, um, more and more, I appreciate you know what books do differently than movies. Um, obviously, uh, reading you know James Bond, I understand why they make the changes to the movies, and the characters drifted away. But the books are different and uh, very interesting themselves. My question: Any books you feel, uh, any movies rather, you feel are better than their corresponding books? Uh, love to listen. Have a great week, guys. That's a pretty deep question. For oh, I got one. <laughs> I mean, I, I I got tons. Normally, I mean, I, I'm not good at pop quizzes, but I have one that, uh, yeah, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. And this is, you know, that was always when you and I were growing up, and I'm sure you remember this, but how people always used to say the book was better. Oh yeah, you hear it all the time. Uh, and you, well, you don't hear it anymore because they're the same fucking thing. But. Um, now the thing that the the one that I would think of first and foremost would be Jaws, uh, because wow. Peter Benchley's yeah, yeah. Jaws. Come on, Peter Benchley's Jaws is not good in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it's trashy. It's uh, it and, is. and worst of all, it's dull, uh, and it's wildly, wildly, wildly different from the movie. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. 
Hooper. Uh, Hooper's, it, uh... I mean, when I got to the ending of the book, uh, Jaws, I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. He, he he wore it out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I remember Hooper is um, more of a Hooper is the Richard Dreyfuss character is more of a kind of a kind of, yeah well yeah he was that in the book and he was a bit more of a well I mean he's a bit more of a stud right I believe he uh, well yeah, yeah yeah well yeah he has a he has a a, a, um, a tryst with uh, Mrs Brody yes uh, and then gets killed so yes. uh, spoilers for Jaws Richard Dreyfuss uh, doesn't die in the movie so uh, <laughs> yeah. but he does die in the book. Yes, I guarantee you that. Um, so it, it, it was yeah, a bit no, of a that, shock. That, that book, I, I did, I do not, do not, do not like that book at no. all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the movie, I, I fucking absolutely adore, but yeah, the, the book is horrid in my opinion. I have so many. So there you go. Yeah, I have so many that I can't even think to name one off the top of my head. But mm. well, uh, L.A. Confidential, I think, is uh, better than the movie. But I mean, it's hard to to really kind of. It's it's very it, James Elroy is a difficult writer to adapt. I think so. I kind of give that a little bit of uh, leeway. I think that the the key is with all that is that you know books can books for me have always been well, more interior exterior. Well, yeah, that but they're, they're, they've always been more of an adventure for me than a film has. Uh, to me, the film oh, is is typically the it's almost like the cliff notes version and that doesn't mean a bad that doesn't mean a bad thing as in jaws i agree with you i think the jaws film is better yeah, than the I book. Mean, yeah obviously it has to be condensed you can, yeah. you can watch a movie in two hours you're not going to read a book in two hours most books i don't think even even if you're a, well maybe if you're a speed reader but at that point i mean what's the point but i will bring um, up, i will bring up the point that i think is really interesting for me is that when some directors kind of nail the book and the movie right and, and right. i think that uh tarantino did that with jackie brown and rum punch the, uh yeah there's that the, there's some differences um, there but i think the flow of jackie brown and the flow of rum punch is pretty much dead on hmm. uh they are different slightly don't get me wrong they are but i think the flow is there for both of them and i, I think that's interesting too because i don't think a lot of directors can adapt books very well and it's funny when I, you know we talked about jackie brown a long time ago on the show but i it, it's funny that you know, that was the one originally the Tarantino was like, I'm not going to adapt anything ever again because people kind of, uh, if you if you remember when it first came out, people were like, well, this is not Pulp Fiction. I don't like it. Right, right, right. And uh, he was like, well, fine, I'm not going to adapt anything ever again. I'm just going to do my own stuff. And I was always like, well, that's kind of a shame because, you know. Well, I mean, he's, it's almost, <laughs> and I hate to bring up this comparison yet, 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 yet again. Uh, but it's almost like a, a Rob Zombie-esque kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I, by the way, I I, I do to a, some degree uh, admire uh, Tarantino as a writer. Um, but I I also think that he's he's a guy who very 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 much needs to be reined in, mm-hmm. um, because he will go nuts uh, and be self indulgent self indulgent to the point of being, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Detrimental. Uh, and you know, so, so when you have something like Jackie Brown, which is probably in his top three, if not number one, um, well, no, for me and glorious bastards, I think is his best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jackie Brown's number two. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he's the kind of guy who, who really, really, really needs that. Uh, he needs that, that kind of stick and carrot sort of uh, thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey buddy, you want the fucking $5 million? Come here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Snap him on the nose and be like, "Okay, now fucking cut that, cut this, cut that." 
Um, because yeah, he he does have a tendency to to go. But I, but again, we get into the whole thing of you know the reason why um, directors don't have have such a, a difficulty, and that's why Stephen King is always uh, being adapted so much. I think is because Stephen King has a way of making the interior exterior. He has a way of making uh, these internal thoughts into his like baking his. his these, the internal thoughts of his characters and like how they actually act on screen right. or uh, in their in their stories, and uh, I think that that actually that that really really helps uh, in terms of uh, you know given uh, you know visual people directors and whoever uh, a lot to go off of in in that regard, mm-hmm. um, and th- I mean that's my opinion, uh, but I think that it's valid. So yep. I mean, yeah, yeah, well that's me. I think you know like King's also interesting because I think only certain directors can get him, you know. Very much so. Uh, Carpenter was one. Yeah. Uh, Cronenberg uh, was another one. I think. I think Darabont got him. Uh, Darabont got Darabont. Well, Darabont, yeah, Darabont got uh, his his dramas. I mean, I, got, I haven't seen any any of uh, he, he got Darabont the character never, pieces. Never did any horror stuff of his, right? Or no, nah, the mist. The mist. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, but you know, he, he kind of nailed the. I think the little kind of particulars of the characters. He probably did that pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Which is something King does very yeah, well yeah, in his yeah. writing. So. so there's there's three right there. Um. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a yeah. I've all, I've all, I've always fucking. Here's the thing. I've always really been. I've always been in Mick Garris's corner. Yes. Uh, because I he's you know he's he's just such a, a marvelously. I love Mick Garris. Uh, witty. Yeah, yeah. I no, no, love, no, I love no. no, 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 no. I can't no. say I love his movies. Yeah, let me let me finish. I love that. his writing. His writing. Yeah. I love his writing. Let me finish that thought. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I love Mick Garris as a person. I think he's one of the most important people in the cinematic universe when it comes oh, yeah, to talking yeah, about yeah. movies and and championing movies. I think Mick Garris as a director is uh, only slightly uh, average to above average. <laughs> I, I never. I would agree. I, I don't think I've like. I don't think I like anything. Honestly, any of his films, I don't think that maybe I would, critters too. Uh, yeah, that well, that's one, probably one of my favorites. Yes, um, yes. And I, that's no slight against McGarris. I just don't think he's a, a a great director. I just don't think he is. I, I think he's a a wonderful champion of genre cinema, though. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent, Yeah, and if you read, it's funny if you read his screenplays or any of his other work. If you read his written work, he is much better than his visual work. And I don't. It's just one of oh, those yeah. things. It's just one of those if, well, if, if I'm if I'm remembering right, I think the first time that I ever encountered Mick Garris at all would have been in the uh, that old uh, what was it, like 1994, five something like that, Splatterpunks anthology oh, that Salmon yeah. put together. Yeah, what was that called? Was it a life a life in cinema? Something like that. that yes. Yeah, I think, I think was he was his, in that stuff. Yes. There? Yes, I had that book. Oh, I, I I had to rebuy a copy because I lost my old copy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, definitely check out uh, Walt. If you've never checked out any Mick Garris uh, written stories, check those out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. any, if anything comes out of this feedback, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As <laughs> far as as far as books that, and I know he didn't ask, but as far as books that I think would be almost impossible, uh, would be my favorite book of all time: Confederacy, a uh, Confederacy of uh, Dunces uh, by yeah. John Kennedy. Yeah, they've tried. They told John Waters uh, floated around it for a long, long time. Yep. Yeah. Um, They've had I several think people out of anybody, him. he would probably be the best person to do it. Mm. But uh, that 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 would be an incredibly difficult uh, book to to nail, and it is easily uh, 
probably well, probably my fa- my favorite book ever written. So yeah, they would uh, they they floated around that uh, quite a bit over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decades. Yeah, it has. Decades. I yep. remember. I remember it came close with uh, Will Ferrell at one point. That was uh, when, when Will Ferrell yeah. was hotter than he is now. He's not as hot yeah, as he once yeah. was. But uh, I don't it, know how I feel about that. But hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, I think it was. You know, I can't remember who the director was. It might have been Gondry though. Michelle Gondry. Uh, I could see. Uh, no, no, no. He's too heavy. He's too heavy-handed. I think. Yeah, I think he would. Uh, I don't think I'd be excited for it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, no. I, I like I like be kind, rewind, but at the same time, it's like, eh. All right. Let's get into what we've been watching, if we've been watching anything. Uh, I haven't watched much, but uh, I'll kick it over to you and see. And thanks, Walt, for the voicemail, as always. Yes, indeed. Thank you, uh, Walt. I hope we didn't uh, bore you to tears. I know we didn't. Uh, so there. Pat myself on the back, break my arm. Uh, so yeah, uh, what did I watch? Uh, not very much, but a couple things. Uh, Curse of the Hidden Vault, yet another crimmy. Uh, this is 1963, Franz Josef Gottlieb directing. Um, this is one of the crimmies where the emphasis isn't on the uh, the police procedural aspects, uh, or even really on the uh, the uh, female victim, but it's it's very much on the uh, the criminals all plotting to get their dick beaters on a, like a whole ton of cash um there uh, there aren't any uh, really good guys in this one uh with the exception of this really clean-cut cop who kind of shows up almost randomly uh and there's this even cleaner-cut law student uh who annoys everyone with his pedantry um and that's kind of pretty brave in this type of picture and i'll let you uh guess who's playing the uh, the law student uh in this one um <laughs> So, uh, the, uh, the change of course here is, uh, is, um, signaled by, uh, this, this opening fake out, uh, that, uh, really kind of, I found it really satisfying, uh, in terms of, you know, what people expect from Krimi while also kind of subverting it. Uh, and I like that every now and again that they throw a little knuckleball at you. Um, it also has a, uh, a whole lot of, uh, death traps in this one and this gigantic, uh, vault, the titular vault, uh, that's, uh, more of the, uh, the former than the latter. Uh, so that's fun as well. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, fuck it. Anyway, Curse the Hidden Vault, liked it. Uh, it was good stuff, uh, in terms of, uh, the creamy stuff. And then I watched a, uh, got another Andy Milligan under my belt, Guru the Mad Monk, uh, 1970. Um, and this one was uh, one of the ones that I DVR'd off of uh, Turner Classic Movies. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, you know, Milligan gets in there and he, he proves that, uh, you know, just because you can't do something doesn't mean you should. Um, <laughs> oh, good God. God love this guy. Uh, for, you know, uh, as an example, you know, just because you, you uh, have access to a church doesn't mean that you should, you know, set your weird uh, melodrama in the 1400s and populate it with the... Uh, excruciatingly not very attractive people uh, with excruciatingly thick New York accents. Um, there's that. Uh, the plot in this thing is just about as dull as dog shit, I thought. Uh, but, you know, the, the fun is in watching the uh, the performers try to act. Uh, and as with uh, Fleshpot on 42nd Street, which I watched a few weeks back, uh, Neil Flanagan shows up and he is easily uh, the best and the most magnetic of the batch. Um, 
And the, the thing here is that I'm not really sure if I liked his his uh, overwrought multiple personality act, uh, though I kind of suspect that I did. Um, but it's just one of those things where you kind of you, you get done with it and you're scratching your head, which, uh, funny enough, is one of the uh, <laughs> effects that Andy Milligan movies seem, seem to have. I think uh, <laughs> what you just said, though, is is kind of my opinion of Andy Milligan. I, I'll usually walk away thinking, I don't know if I like yeah, that. I don't know but, if I liked uh, it or not, but at the same time, you remember. <laughs> well, that's why I, I really I've been, I've been looking at, you know, I, I got done watching this. And I, I, I almost bought a copy of Gutter Auteur mm. uh, because I couldn't I couldn't find a. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Affordable um, copy of the, his biography. Uh, so I almost bought Gutter Arturo, which is kind of like a, a critical analysis of all of his movies. And I'm like, that might be a bit much to jump into without you know getting a little <laughs> bit of background about Milligan. Uh, although I, I kind of I, I have a decent amount of his background in my head um, on you know for better or worse. Um, but you know, I, I, I kind of just would have been I've been hemming and hawing about that. I think I, I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the dive eventually just because. Uh, but at the same time, it's just kind of like. Eh. But anyway, uh, getting back to Guru. Um, so yeah, there's this uh, there's this odd vampire witch character who seems to hover around uh, just off screen waiting for blood to be shed, uh, and it's really kind of the it's the weirdest thing, which is saying something uh, in, in a Milligan movie. Um, uh, but then you know. Weirdness combined with cheapness are they're they're kind of a Milligan stock and trade. Yes, uh, and uh, the you know the movie like we just said, the movie sticks around uh, long after it's over, uh, even though you can't really remember too many details. And it's it's um, I think that's that might be his uh, his um, uh, his not calling card, his greatest asset, his uh, his talent, his. Uh, uh, thing, uh, I guess, for one of uh, a better term, at you know five o'clock in the fucking morning, mm. um, you know he he's able to uh, to kind of uh, inveigle his way, uh, worm his way into your brain uh, like some kind of weird parasite, uh, and even though you're you're not aware of what the fuck you, you you're you're thinking about it, you're just like I'm thinking about it, yeah, uh, and and he's and he's sitting somewhere going, yeah, man, you are so fuck you, yeah, it's so, bizarre, it's bizarre, it really is. It's funny yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's so many directors out there who make those kind of movies and you don't have that sensation you, with. Yeah, right, right. So obviously but there's Milligan, something like, there. Oh, it's Milligan. Yeah, so there's something there, and it's sometimes very difficult to explain. I think one of the reasons why I've never picked an Andy Milligan film for the show is because I have a hard time deciphering what I like and what I don't like. Well, right. it might be easier to decipher what I don't like, but it certainly is tough for me to decipher what I like. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is you wind up sitting there and you're like, you're like, okay, so I hated this, I hated this, I hated this. This was horrible. This was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, well, I I didn't hate the movie. Yeah, which is just it's a weird <laughs> stew that this guy winds up brewing. Yes, like every single time. Yes, it's very strange. Uh, and I, again, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm no Milligan, um, uh you know, authority or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take what I say as it is. Cause I'm, I've, I've only been, you know, a few movies deep on him, but, right. uh, which I'm sure he would appreciate that sentence. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Hey, yeah. Is that everything? Uh, and then I watched, uh, oh. well, I watched, uh, I've been watching Loki. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I've watched on a, uh, Disney plus me and, um, uh, it's interesting. My it's son, interesting. Yeah. My son and I have watched two episodes. We haven't watched the third one yet. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, 
It's uh yeah, it's a nice little uh it's a nice little, nice little um uh road less traveled uh kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like it. And and that's from somebody who's uh for for the longest time uh Loki has just been like, "Oh Jesus, they're trotting this fucking guy out again." Um <laughs> uh, for me. Hmm. Uh even though I like Tom Hiddleston, it's just like, oh, "Dude, come on, man." Let's all take a step back here. He's always um, felt like for me the character has always felt like the uh He's the etch a sketch of the Marvel Universe. In other words, they'll yeah, dr- they'll yeah, draw yeah, something yeah. out and then they bring Loki in and erase it. <laughs> yep, yep. You know what? You know what amazes me is that uh, they have yet to get the uh, the nineteen sixty three Marvel superheroes cartoons on their their little web page there, their yeah. little site. That is kind of amazing. Uh, and you know the ones that I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the ones dude. when they had Submariner and Iron Man and oh yeah, or I'm sorry, Submariner <laughs> uh, and Iron Man and all those guys. Yeah, because uh, those things, dude, uh, they're those things were primitive as fuck, but yeah. they were enormously entertaining. And I, I, I even watched them relatively, eh, relatively recently, being like eh, fifteen years. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is relatively but, recently when you're middle aged. Well, yeah, but uh, but <laughs> but at the same time, uh, yeah, no, those things are those things are are wildly entertaining. I think, uh, and, and a lot of that comes from, just from the stories. Uh, because almost all of them are are straight adaptations uh, of the comic books that they came from. Yeah, so if, I, that if I remember, they almost felt like like somebody taking the Jack Kirby art and just kind of animated it. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yes, because that's exactly what they did. Yeah, well, that's what I thought they did. <laughs> oh, I, that's a hundred percent what they. But they had guys like John Vernon doing voices and all that stuff. So it's like you know, I love it. Because I didn't. Because I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh, well, I haven't. It's been longer than fifteen years for me. So, but if I recall, I recall thinking, oh, they just took the comic book panels and animated the panels. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is- wasn't like Space Ace. Uh, they didn't like animate a human being's, they didn't like superimpose a human's mouth uh, over their, uh, over the character's mouth. But at the same time, yeah, it was just basically like what you could do in Flash uh, with Flash animation. Yeah. Uh, Maybe maybe a little bit under that, but uh, other than that, yeah. But dude, they're died, and so I mean, yeah. So I mean, if you get to actually look at like Kirby art or Ditko art or what have you, uh, and 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 have these uh, really great stories and have it fairly well acted mm-hmm. uh, as far as voice acting goes. But I, I'm just I'm I'm really amazed that and you know first of all that they've never come out in America. I know that there was a British uh, release not too long ago, uh, where they put them out on I think DVD. Uh, but I've never seen them in a legit uh, setting as far as either downloads or uh, American Region One, um, you know, anything. So, yeah. and I think that that's a travesty because I think that I think that they think that people would like sneer at them, uh, but I I don't think that's the case. I think that there's there's absolutely a hundred percent a massive market for these things, or there could be if they actually fucking, you know, did their fucking job and actually promoted something rather than just you know. Throwing stuff out there, and being like, "You like this? It's great. <laughs> it's the, look. It's a superhero. You love it. It's uh, buy it, Dick. Buy yeah. it cheap." There's a lot of people to do that, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people just buy Anywho, everything. <laughs> that's one of my soapboxes for the day. Yeah. Anything else you watch? Is that it? Uh no, but I am anticipating the return of Star Girl. Ah, oh, yes, that is coming back, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I was worried yeah, for a while it wasn't going to I was worried for a while it wasn't going to come back. Well, and Mr. in between, obviously. Yes. Um I 
only watched one other thing. Um, okay. I still have not gotten through Saw Four. That's probably not. That probably doesn't bode well. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just too much. But I, I'll try to get through it at some point. Again, I've set this task in front of myself, but there's so many more better things I could be doing with my time. Uh, I did watch. Uh, my son wanted came to me and he wanted to watch uh, Greenland, the uh, Gerard Butler disaster movie. Oh and I was like, well, that's interesting. Well, you want to watch that for? And he's like, well, I don't know. I just thought the trailer looked interesting. And I'm like, okay, well, well, sure. We'll watch it. Let's, let's, let's throw it on and check it out. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it. So, you know. Uh, and it did cut a pretty good trailer. But I thought, well, that's one of those movies that if I come across at some point, kind of like his uh, Geostorm movie, which I came across at some point, it, it, it it's just like if I come across it and it's on and I don't have anything to do, maybe I'll check it out. But I'm not going to pursue it. So he brought it to me, and I was like, "Okay, let's do it." So, and you know, this is these these are things you do as a father. These, uh, you know, you get brought these movies every now and then, and you sit down and watch them. And it's probably not in your wheelhouse, but uh, at the same time, I don't want to deter him from finding you know what he wants. Uh, he did reach out to me this week uh, at one point because you know Fast uh, whatever number 25 came out this week, and he was like, "I think I want to watch the Fast movies," and I'm like, "Oh dear." Um, but, uh, so I might be going down that path pretty soon. And you got to remember, I bowed See, out. Maybe we could just yeah, I stab b- ourselves in the eyes. Yeah. I bowed out on that, uh, part two. So, you know, that, that'd be a lot of movies that I haven't seen that I have no interest in seeing, uh. but you know, if he, if that's what he wants to do, that's what we'll do. Uh, but anyway, we watched Greenland and, uh, it's, it's a pretty standard, uh, disaster movie. I think what I found surprising about it is it's very grim. And it's it's interesting. It's a PG thirteen movie, but I got to say, watching it with my son, there's a lot of stuff in there that I thought, wow, this could just as easily be rated R. <laughs> Probably the only reason why oh, it's not do, rated do you, R. Do you is, remember who did this? Who did Greenland? Uh, who directed it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be Rick Roman Wall. Rick Roman Wall, who uh, has been making the the Angel movies, I believe, with Gerard Butler. I think they they got a good working relationship because I think they've done four movies together now, four or five. So I don't know who Rick Roman Wall is, except I except I knew he made Angel Has Fallen, London. Oh, okay, the the Fallen movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. London okay, Has gotcha, Fallen, gotcha. and then uh, yeah, yeah, Olympus, and yeah, 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 yeah those movies. So, uh, which I liked one of those. I liked the first one. I I actually never saw the other two. So I haven't seen any. Yeah. Uh, for better or worse. Yeah, I liked the first one. Uh, it was okay. It was it was incredibly gory. I remember um, uh, liking that aspect of it. But anyway, this is PG thirteen, and again, I'm not a you know. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. You you guys have listened to me for thirteen years, if not more, know that I enjoy the violence and all those things and stuff. But here I am watching this with my son. And I'm thinking, wow, this this movie is just grim, uh, just in its portrayal of things. And yeah. you know, I was just surprised. I was surprised that it's PG thirteen. I think you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, again, I don't think the ratings boards. I've never thought they get it right, and I still don't think they get it right. I think they get it wrong most of the time. But it's a uh, quite Usually, vi- yeah. quite violent for the PG thirteen rating. But it, it, I mean, I, I didn't have any problem showing it to him. It wasn't like that. But but I'll take knowing, which I love, over this. <laughs> so uh, this this is okay. My son liked it. It, it was okay, but it, it was his first disaster movie. Well, if you don't count the Marvel series, it was his first uh, <laughs> disaster movie. Which you know, to me, the Avengers films are just one big—they're just one big disaster movie. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah. Um, but um, the, it was it was it was okay. I I, I liked it. I, I don't I don't I didn't love it, but I liked it. It was okay. So about about as good as stuff. Well, I now, say now about you got to hook him up with uh, the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he likes that. Uh, you know, I think he's got that bug for human turmoil uh, mm. and um, against everything. You know, things we can't control. Which is kind of the way I found my way into horror films as a kid. So I think he's got that bug in him, you know, where he's like, you know, I don't think he'll come to me and say, Dad, I want to watch The Towering Inferno, but I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, then I'd be able to <laughs> sit down and rewatch The Towering Inferno, which yeah. I don't know if I have really any real interest in doing that. But anyway, it was fun. It was fun to watch it. And we got to give the uh, surround sound a nice little push because it's got a pretty impressive uh meteor scene that just about blew the damn house up with the surround sound <laughs> it was pretty impressive and scott glenn scott glenn's in there so there we go yeah yeah um all right that's about all we watch though i've been watching loki as well and uh yeah i like it uh don't really have yeah, much no, to say it's about not it right bad. now it's, uh, it's interesting at least yeah haven't don't really have much to say about it right now but mm. ah drink coffee all right we're going to take a short break, come back, and we will discuss Mario Bava's Black Sunday. You may have heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's Sunday anyway. Yeah. We'll be back right after this. I never was that friendly, I guess nobody would say. And even in death, I loathe the light of the day. Ready to meet my hell It was midnight when my funeral was held On that black Sunday No mourners were present as if I really cared And I guess I can see why they all were so scared I was laid in the crypt and shunned Cause the earth couldn't bury all the sins that I'd done On that black Sunday I can see why they didn't see it coming anyway As soon as the funeral's over, I return from the grave And people will always know and fear my name Yeah, as long as there is life, I will be out there to me All right. Some coffin shakers this morning with uh, Black Sunday. There we go. Turning that down as we go along. Oh, I turned it back up. Ah, yeah. Yikes. I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of the coffin shakers and was rocking and rolling there. So many coffins, so little much shaken. Yeah, you know, you got to shake what you can shake. And sometimes you got to shake the coffin. Yeah, um, there was a debate to do some uh, Rob Zombie there. But, you know, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. All right. <laughs> and funny enough, I was the advocate for Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, just hit a chord. Ouch. Sorry. Uh, Black Sunday, 1960, directed by one Mario Bava. Some would say his directorial debut. We know better than that because uh, I yes, think uh, we actually covered one that he worked on behind the scenes. Uh, Kaltiki. Yeah, Kaltiki, before this. And uh, there was another one. Uh, I don't know if it was a peplum or not, but uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But this is his official uh, directorial debut. And uh, Bava, as we've talked about before on the show, 
he worked a lot behind the scenes on a lot of things, but he didn't direct this movie until he was uh, mid about about our age, I believe. So this is uh, yeah, no, he was he was involved a lot before, way before uh, he ever actually got into the uh, the chair, yeah, so to speak. He was one of those guys who had all the talent in the world, but I just guess he just yeah. never had the opportunity, or maybe the wherewithal or the drive to be the director. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think that that actually carried through his entire directorial career mm-hmm. uh, as well, my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think there's anything of his that uh, I can say that I love hmm. uh, outside of mm, yeah. Kaltiki I loved, um, Blood and Black Lace I loved. Uh, and I think that, honest to God, that might just be about it. Yeah. But loving- uh, everything else I kind of like, I, I like and or appreciate. Yeah. Liking loving two of his films though, that's still a pretty good run for any director. Um, sure. Uh, Black Sunday though, original title, La Mascara del Demonio. 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 It's easy for you to say. It's not. Um, the Mask of Satan <laughs> is also what this is known as. Uh, yes. Which I think the the copy I watched on uh, the Kino Blu-ray yes. is actually yes. the Mask of Satan. Uh, a vengeful witch and her fiendish servant return from the grave to begin a bloody campaign to possess the body of the witch's beautiful look-alike descendant with only the girl's brother and handsome doctor standing in her way. So, doctor, so, very handsome. Uh, that is the basic plot synopsis. Um, this is a film, I think, whose influence is felt uh, throughout a lot of things, but it, but it's interesting because this film feels very... Obviously influenced from uh, the Universal period in a lot of ways. Absolutely, it and is. like a lot of Italian cinema, uh, they you know they weren't above uh, taking the cinema history and kind of repurposing it for their own benefits. But by the time this is made, to give you guys kind of an insight into Italy at the time, uh, Italian horror films have been banned in Italy uh, pretty much during Mussolini's whole reign. He was not a fan of the horror film. Uh, right. Which is not well, surprising. Most <laughs> most dictators are not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> yes, they could learn from American politics, and they would uh, just keep the horror out there, and then keep the uh, attention off of them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they did not do that. So anyway, they they uh, uh, they had just started making these films again. I think uh, just a couple years prior, and this was uh, around like fifty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this uh, this is one of the early Italian horror films. And it's funny just to think of that, to think of that Italy didn't wasn't making these horror films, and then come the late fifties, early sixties, they start making them again, and yeah. then they would prove to be influential in some ways. And then, yeah, they just they came buckets, as yeah. we like to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely did. They really <laughs> inspired a whole generation of filmmakers, right? And uh, in, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I would say this is one of them. And again, it's just you know, if you know film history, you can look at this one and see the Universal Picture stuff. Uh, that if you if you've seen that stuff, if you've not seen that stuff, like I immediately whenever I watch Black Sunday, I think of in particular, I think of the Wolfman. Uh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the well, I, I I tend to think a little more Frankenstein, but yeah, 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 yeah. I think the Wolfman I think of because of the Moors scenes and the uh, the fog and the kind of you know the you can tell it's it's Moors uh, built on a set. Mm. which you can tell if you look at this movie, almost everything is built on a set. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, and no, that's actually part of uh, part of what I, I plan on getting into. But yeah, I'll uh, kick it over to you. We'll see. This is probably. I don't. Re- want, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to pull my skirt up too much. Yeah. And show all you guys my ankles. <laughs> but this, uh, I'm sure, know. this is a rewatch for you, though. I'm sure you've seen this before. It is. Yeah, it is a rewatch for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, one of the more interesting things here, I think, is that uh, you know at, at the very beginning, we're never meant to think that. Um, the Barbara Steele character is in any way innocent. Uh, she, you know, she's a witch or a vampire or whatever. Uh, obviously the first thing that most people think of in these situations is about some form of like injustice, uh, at least in terms of like the American witch trials, uh, which had almost nothing to do with witchcraft and, you know, a whole lot to do with accusers looking for power or revenge or what have you. Uh, you know, sure. This, this movie, uh, takes place in in a place called Moldavia, uh, which I'm almost a hundred percent sure is not an actual uh, country in Europe. Although it may be, for all I know, because <laughs> I'm an ignorant American. Um, that almost sounds like something out of a Marvel movie, too. <laughs> it does. It's a, I almost said Liberia, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Doom rules. Uh, yes. But uh, you know the the uh, Steele's accusers uh, and her little boy toy are just as horridly depicted. Uh, as, uh, as anything, uh, the, the, you know, the, the accusers that are burning her at the stake, they hide in shadows, they wear hoods, uh, and, and for the most part, I think that they could be taken almost for a cult. Uh, so I, I kind of find that interesting, uh, just to begin with, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the contrast, because I mean, you really have to put this movie in context and, and speaking of which, this is the same year when, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, knifed Janet Lee in the shower. Uh, and you know, he didn't show any actual knife penetration, mm-hmm. uh, but true to his Italian roots, Mario Bava smacks a spiked mask, uh, onto uh, Barbara Steele's mush and, and we get to watch it happen without a cut yeah. and, you know, watch the actual blood like pop out of the, uh, the eye sockets. Yes. So that's great. Another difference uh, but, between Italy and America. Uh, a hundred percent. Um, and likewise, you know, the, 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 you know, there's that, that pretty gruesome, uh, branding moment that we get in the movie where they, they put an actual hot iron onto like a wax uh, dummy uh, and watch it melt and I'm just like oh my god that's delicious uh, make me want to eat a starburst but um, <laughs> and this is one of the things that I, I love about film is you know you could do these this sort of uh, violence in any number of ways uh, and it could be equally enthralling and, and compelling and entertaining in any number of those any number of ways mm-hmm. um, and Bava here I think proves just how talented he is to be able to pull off graphic violence not only artfully uh, but you could argue he does it beautifully, uh, and and that would kind of be his his whole like kind of signature, uh, I think, throughout his uh, his career. Um, but that's just me. I'm I'm no Tim Lucas, so I'm not going to say that I'm you know the Bava uh, expert. Uh, but you know, while uh, both movies, um, uh, Psycho and this, are, are at least a little bit metaphorically about men fucking women. Uh, this one allows the woman to get back at men for the, uh, the assault. Uh, now I, I mean, I, I've never made a study of this obviously, but I think that aside from the, the, uh, films noir, uh, of just like a few years prior to, uh, to this movie and that movie, uh, psycho, uh, the, the whole Euro horror, uh, kind of, um, genre, subgenre, whatever you want to call it, uh, tends to have a more powerful, tends to have more powerful uh, women in, like, villainous or, you know, maybe just sympathetically malevolent sort of roles. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, Bob could have picked a, a more striking and talented, I must add, uh, woman to carry this picture than Steele. Uh, you know, let's be honest, it's, it's her show. Uh, 
in a lot of ways in service of uh, Bava's uh, themes and and story. I, I don't think that you know no one really thinks of the uh, the male actors in this movie. I know that I don't, uh, and that's largely because they're pretty standard. The characters are standard. They look standard. The guys are standard. Uh, you know they're kind of prettied up. Uh, they got their frilly shirts, and that's just about it. Um, uh, I think that uh, Bava has a knack for showing steel as both glamorous and monstrous, uh, and sometimes both at the exact same time, uh, which honestly is no small trick. Um, I mean, you could argue, and th- th- this is what occurred to me as I was watching it uh, this time around, at least, uh, is that she's kind of um, she's pinhead without the pins, mm. uh, and it's a really striking scene. Yeah. Uh, when a male character actually, you know, kisses her, uh, <laughs> this really great combination of seduction and repulsion. And it's really kind of yeah. what, uh, Clyde Barker would hook into, uh, to pardon, pardon the pun, please. Uh, and, and you know, it, it, in like 1987 or what have you, yeah. it was 87 or 86, uh, regardless. Uh, and, and just really kind of, you know, go for it, uh, in, in just about every way, shape and form. Um, that's interesting. So yeah, no, I, I like that, I like that, that angle, the repulsion and the attraction. I like that because that. Well, that's a hundred percent. I mean, when you every still that you see of this movie is Barbara Steele, and mm. it's a close. It's like a extreme close up of Barbara Steele. Yeah, and she always has the dark rings around her eyes. And nine out of ten, they're not showing you stuff like when. Well, they might show you the, like a still of uh, when she's standing there with the the dog or what have you. But nine out of ten. She's got all the fucking the holes in her face from the uh, the mm, mask, mm. the the Satan mask uh, that's going on there, and you know it, it's difficult to to deny the woman's attractiveness. Yeah, at the same I mean time. she's striking would be the word I would use uh, cinematically. Oh, hundred I mean, percent. We talked 100%. about this when we talked about her in uh, Shivers. Even then, in a in an older yeah, age, yeah, she's still yeah, striking yeah. looking woman. Yeah, and uh, caged was she caged heat? Was she in? When she uh, was in the wheelchair, I can't remember off the top uh, the Demi movie. I'm gonna say probably. That sounds right. Mm. <laughs> and then of course, and then of course, Piranha, where she's you know she's almost nothing but a a fucking afterthought. But regardless, she's yeah, still Barbara I mean, Steele. I just, mean, Barbara Steele is Barbara Steele. I mean, yeah, she she's just, one of those. She's one of those things. She's like a. She's like she is like a Dick Miller. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the sense that you know she brings something. Uh, you can't a hundred percent put your finger on, but at the same time, your 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 eye is attracted to her. Your attention is attracted to her. She can walk away with any scene she wants to, mm-hmm. if she wants to. Yeah, but she just has a unique look. There's just nobody. Sure, I can't. Well, think her, of, yeah, Martine Beswick is another one. I can't um, think of any actress for me who has has more unique eyes, and yeah. I mean, she just she has something. Yeah, the the camera just loves her. And oh, yeah. that, that's all yeah. that's what it comes down to. I mean, she just has one of the great cinematic faces. I don't always love her acting. Uh, I'll, I'll say that forthright. I don't always think she's great, but I do always appreciate when she's on screen because yeah. she yeah, just yeah. has that that special something. That yeah, just no, works. I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, but yeah, that's 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 one of the things that uh, that stands out for me uh, in, in this movie. Uh, obviously, I mean, I t- did the the movie's practically built around uh, around Barbara Steele. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, getting back to the FX uh, for a moment, uh, they're they're pretty darn nice for the time, and they're kind of gross at moments. Yeah, uh, sticking to what the Italian gore effects would grow into, and I would argue a hundred percent 
uh, taking some of their cues from the uh, the Hammer approach of like two years earlier. 58, I think, was uh, uh, Horror of Dracula, if I'm not mistaken. Or uh, No, 57 was Curse of Frankenstein, I think. Mm. Um, so three years. Uh, in fact, you know, were it not for the dubbing, I think that you could easily mistake Black Sunday for a, uh, a Hammer production. Uh, and I think that that's a large reason why uh, it uh, it was uh, as successful as it was in in you know bringing Bava to prominence uh, and success, uh, and then you know kind of propelling him from there that from then forward. Uh, and you know it's these sort of uh, envelope stretching things uh, like we had with Hammer, where they would have you know bosoms and blood and all that sort of thing. Um, these uh, these things are are married to this very refined uh, classical filmmaking approach, both technically and in terms of style. Again, you know, like I've been saying, in the Hammer mold, and you know the sets. So yeah, the sets in this movie, and we kind of touched on this very 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 briefly in the beginning. Uh, the sets in the movie are, are, are part expressionist, uh, they're part universal horror, but they're all theater, uh, and naturally with plenty of fog because obviously Italians love fog. Uh, just you know, ask Fulci. Um and you know, Bava <laughs> yeah. even uses this. Uh, he, he does this really great thing where he uses this old school filter trick uh, to make uh, the you know the character grow old and another one to grow younger without editing. Uh, and it's it's fantastic because uh, you know is I mean this is, bearing in mind when this movie was made, this is something from thirty years earlier. Um, if not, well, yeah, yeah, about 30 years earlier. Uh, so it, it's just marvelous to see it uh, still being used on screen and being used. And it's effective mm-hmm. because, I mean, it plays into the, the, uh, the ambience of the movie, which is, you know, it's theater. It's, you know, it's, it's performance. It's, you know, everything is about, um, is about stage, mm. uh, in this movie and about, uh, about performances. And, you know, that's, uh, that's really, you know, that to have that, uh, to have that sort of unity, uh, technically and, and narratively, is is uh, quite an accomplishment. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, Bava will occasionally throw in the occasional zoom uh, to kind of uh, be a little bit more modern, uh, but largely uh, the uh, the movements that he does with his his camera are tracking shots, and he the guy understands uh, the need for, uh, for composition and motivation uh, in the, in the regard of uh, of uh, moving the camera. So. Uh, I give a lot of credit for that, you know. But uh, there, you know, just look at the there's there's the scene where um, where the uh, the Vita character, the Vita the vampire, uh, picks up the uh, the professor in the uh, the carriage, and we're treated to this really great, uh, <laughs> totally fake scene of Vita pretending that he's driving the coach while these tree branches are occasionally jumping up to flail at him. Yeah, um, pretty great. Yeah, right. Uh, but you know, it, it just fits. It fits, and you know that works for me. Maybe because of the shot preceding this, where you know Baba shoots the coach traveling in slow motion. Uh, I mean, because of this this movie, um, it it's not reality, and it in no way really tries to be. It's 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 a fairy tale uh, in a lot of ways. It's it's a legend, um, and I think that that's that's kind of uh, where Baba's kind of tended to dance throughout his career. Is in that realm of you know eh, this isn't really reality, but you know we're kind of constructing something a little bit different, you know. But come on over here, and so visually, uh, if nothing else, you will always get prime rib uh, with yes. uh, with Mario Baba. Yes, for those of you who are, are meat eaters, vegans mm-hmm. uh, go away. Um, so, uh, but uh, you know, by the same token, 
I think that if I have a problem with this movie, it's the same problem that I have with a lot of uh, his his films, and that's that it's a little too straightforward. Uh, the story doesn't really go anywhere that you don't expect. Uh, I don't think that the uh, the characters really do anything that you don't expect, uh, and they're usually not, not all that memorable. Memorable. There you go. Uh, to begin with. Um, with the exception, obviously, of, of Barbara Steele, but that's you know just because she can hold the frame for hours on end. Um, but for me, you know, Bava's films aren't really about those things. Uh, Bava's films are about style, and that at least I can get behind uh, because I think that as a visual stylist, uh, Bava is a hundred percent a true master of the form. Uh, so I can't really say that I like I love uh, any of his pictures. Uh, but I, I sure love what he did with them. Um, and I think that this, this also brings up the idea of uh, th- this um, notion of great artists uh, toiling away in genre material that was generally considered to be, if not outright trash, uh, certainly uh, trash adjacent. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Bava, Argento, Rollin, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and that's always been something that's kind of fascinated me. Yeah. Um, is this idea of these, you know, these, these, uh, like as if, as if, um, Michelangelo, uh, had painted, uh, covers to, uh, I don't know, creepy, uh, magazine or something, something of that nature, which, oh my God, could, would, could your mind be blown anymore? Uh, mine couldn't. And, and <laughs> that's, that's not, that's, well, and, but, but they had Frazetta. So that was almost the same thing. Mm. Um, right. Um, uh, or and well and uh, and who uh, what the hell is his name? Oh God! Now it's going to escape me completely. Damn it! Uh, anyway, um, Boris, so yeah, Boris uh, Vallejo. Yeah, no, 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 not <laughs> Boris Vallejo. Uh, uh, because of our uh, Roy, Roy. Oh damn it! I can't think of his fucking name. Anyway, no, nah, I can't think of his name. I, I got to get off the subject. Anyway, because I'll be here for days. Um, so yeah, I, I I do consider this film and Baba generally to be. Uh, I think they are essential. Uh, uh, for uh, for cinema fans, yes, uh, and I can definitely accept people not cottoning yes. uh, to to the movie as entertainment mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it may be a, bit, a little bit too stodgy for what you know or what have you for some. Um, but I, I I completely scoff at the idea uh, of someone watching this and not recognizing uh, the the heavy 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 talent at work behind the camera. Right. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe it's, this is one of those films that that I tend to damn for what it's not rather than praising it for what it is a little bit too much mm. um, in some ways. But, you know, for what stands out about this movie, you know, visually and in the sense of the boundaries that it pushed, I, I, I find it just a bit dry. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of... I don't think you're wrong I, I kind there. of give it the merits in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't, and, but, I just don't think again, you're wrong. This, 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 rolls into, this rolls into Bava in general for me. Yeah. Like, I said, like I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, I, I love... I love what he was doing. I didn't always love what he did. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think that makes total sense. I think that's Mario Bava kind of in a nutshell. I, he, you know, I, I, I appreciate a lot of his stuff. Uh, almost all of his stuff I appreciate, even the kind of uh, the wacky stuff he did. But it's kind of like Planet of the Vampires for me. You know, I love Planet of the Vampires. I love the way it looks. But I find it but a bit. But at the same time, you get done with it and you're like, oh. Yeah, okay. but I, it feels a bit droll. Like it feels a bit right? slow and. And just not as entertaining as it needs to be, and uh, I have problems with pretty much all of his films in that way. 
Yeah, um, the the only one that I can think of, well, aside uh, aside from Caltiki, which is just kind of this free for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other one that I, I really think that he pulled off the fucking the the hat trick on was Blood and Black Lace, I and mean, that's that's for me. Like Bay of Blood, I I understand Bay of Blood for what it is. Yes. In terms of you know what it would kind of birth, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean that's another one. It's just like, what the fuck am I looking at? Yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of satisfaction, I yeah. guess. I guess yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Right? I understand. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I get the same feeling. I mean, it's like a uh, Bob is a really good example of, you know, um, I don't, and I, I mean this in the most positive way possible, but he, he's like really good fast food. I mean, he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I always enjoy when I watch Mario Baba movie, um, but I always come away thinking, well, the story could have had a little bit more meat to it or. Exactly. It could have been well, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, it's usually it's usually the, the, the character elements and the story elements are so backburnered to style. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. almost uh, – I, I can't think of – well, I, I'm sure there are American equivalents that I'm just not going to think of this early in the morning. Um, like hard, like close comparisons. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, he just – you want to love this thing because of what it's given you, but at the same time, you can't fucking close the circle uh, in a lot of ways, I think, with Baba. Or I can't, but you know, I'm sure there are people who can and do and will. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I like Black Sunday. I like a lot of his movies, uh, but I, I, it's very difficult for me to say that I love uh, a whole lot of his, uh, his work, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. All right. Is that everything you got on Black Sunday? Yes, sir. Yeah, jump on in. Um, I, you kind of brought this up, or I think you brought it up, but you know, this is like a lot of Bob's films. He shoots his own movies uh, a lot, and uh, he shot he shot yeah, this yeah. one and directed this one. His brother, I believe, worked on uh, some of the special effects, the mask sculpting, and some of the faces and things like that. So, but Bob also did that. He uh, some of the matte paintings in this, and some of the special effects is Bob himself as well. So I think what the, one of the more important things you have to remember about Mario Bava is that he was a workman. He was a guy who... He was a technician. Yeah, he basically just kind of came up in the business mm-hmm. and could do it all. And um, because of that, I think you know he was able to get movies made at a budget. and Because uh, that's one of the things I think he was most notoriously known for was the fact that he could bring movies in under budget and bring, bring them in quick. And uh, well, that's that's that that kind of became Italy in and of itself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it did. But I mean, you know, a dollar fifty, and they'll turn out anything you want. Yeah, I think, but I think Baba's quality of work when it comes to like matte paintings and some of the special effects and things he did, I think it holds up quite well compared to a lot of his well, peers. A, yeah, there's, he's got a level of care mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. care in, in in his work that you don't see in a lot of other stuff. And I think that again, that's why I said you could compare this easily to something of Hammer's quality. Universal's quality, uh, and and easily put it up there and say like, look, this thing is is absolutely the equal uh, of those things in a technical uh, sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I've always thought that's kind of interesting that he can do that, and it's still interesting to me that he can pull it off because his films always sure. look, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a joke, but to say this because that's it probably didn't cost us much, but his films always look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm always it, it's like so much Italian cinema. The Italians always got the the look to me a lot of times. Well, not all the time, but quite a few times. They always get the look right. Uh, a lot of times the story is what suffers. 
Um, but you know, it's 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 this is one of the better ones, I think. But I agree with you that it, it's kind of like a, a really good cracker, and that <laughs> it it'll satisfy the moment, but it leaves you with a dry mouth a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you yeah, don't have yeah, something yeah. to drink with it. And, well, this is why I like triscuits. <laughs> yes, this is why I like wheat thins. Um, <laughs> I am not against the wheat, yeah. but no, I will say. But he gets a lot of bang for his buck here with these sets, and, absolutely, and, yeah. and everything, and even like you said, the tricks. You know, the the throwing the branches past the character driving the carriage. Uh, take, but it's such theater. It's so yeah. It's so false that you just you're drawn into it because of it. Yeah. It's like when when I saw one time I can't remember. I think it was oh god, this was in college. Uh, they did uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, I think it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they had they had uh, actors come out in you know they were kind of they were dressed so that they were like nothing right the, the blank whatever, but they were carrying sticks and they would you know like form uh, the uh, the scenery with like these sticks so if it was like a forest they would move the poles in or they move the poles out or what have you and they'd move it in, in accordance with uh, what the what the main actors were doing and it's the same kind of idea. That you get going on here, and I right. think that I, 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 for me, I, I really like that kind of thing. I like, I like this sense of, um, I mean, if you're gonna go for something like this, where it's so melodramatic and overwrought to begin with, just go the full fucking thing, yeah, uh, and be as theatrical as you can. And I, I think that, I think that that kind of thing, that that's what I think of when I think of uh, stuff like this, and yeah. and and the old Universal stuff and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think of the theatricality. I think of this sort of. I don't. I don't want to use the word showmanship because that's not the word. Uh, but I think of this uh, artificiality, maybe, mm-hmm. um, in in terms of creating uh, reality. It's movie for movie. Uh, it's movie making for movie making sake. That's a yeah. That's a that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, th- I think that's Mario Baba. I mean, that to me, that's him anyway. Sure. Um, he's just always, you know, he's a guy. He he seemed like a guy, almost like your. You know your modern uh, filmmakers who kind of live in a movie world, like your uh, and I'm not comparing these directors. Don't get me wrong, but I think about people who grew up on movies like uh, Robert Rodriguez and sure. people like this, who even John Woo, who it's it's movie making for oh, the sake of movie making. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have any real sense of reality, but that's not what I'm going to that movie for either. You know, I'm going to it's it's. So a good example is me and my son, like I told you a couple weeks ago, we, we watched Fury Road. And Fury Road exists in the world that only Fury Road can exist in. And I will, I love it for that reason. It defies the laws of physics without getting too CGI heavy. And it's just, it's it's wonderful. And uh, But it doesn't take the time to explain itself. And, and that's what I also love about it. Um, I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, it, it probably is one of my favorite Bava films. Uh, I do agree with you, though, completely. Once it gets into the kind of the interiors and characters are sitting around talking and things like that, it is pretty dry stuff, and it uh, it can get a bit tedious. But the good news is he does mix in some nice set pieces, and he goes back to that graveyard as much as he can. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he gets a lot out of it. He really does. And it is gooey. It's a gooey movie. That's the what one of the notes I took is like wow this is 1960, same year as Psycho where you see a yep. little bit of goo in the drain but you don't see the penetration here you see, you know you see the whole thing and it's it's a genius, it's a and genius that is, moment. It's a clear delineation between Europe and America. Yeah, and it's a great moment too. I mean the way he shoots the nails inside the mask, yeah. uh, and then yeah. he puts it on the face, and then he gives it the nice hammer, 
and he doesn't pull away. I mean, well, that, a, that's a, Italian it's cinema. It's an interesting way of it's an interesting it's an interesting couple of takes on visceral, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, because both scenes, both uh, examples, both movies are very visceral movies. Yes. But they're very visceral in entirely different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where one is doing it through this sort of, you know, kind of ballet, uh, you know, kind of suggestion. Like, a, like it's a difference between uh, a fan dancer and a, a, a stripper. Yeah. Right? Well, I think, yeah. Uh, I, I think so. I think there's, there's a difference in the cultures, too. Because, you know, both of them are dealing with sexuality. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because both of them are sexy. But... I think the Black Sunday yes, yeah, yeah. feels juicier. Uh, this right. this sounds gross, but it feels like right. well, again, fan dancer stripper. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, you know, <laughs> I was gonna. It's like a, a squirter compared to a uh, you know no. Uh, <laughs> I hate those videos, but it's it's, it's just it, it. What it is is it's just it's. <laughs> it's just a uh, fucking a. I know I couldn't. couldn't <laughs> Jesus <laughs> but but it, but it is it is the the Italian I, it is the difference between Europe and America. You know, America was so you know and still is in a lot of ways so Puritan and so safe, right? When right, it comes right. to the violence and the sex mixture, whereas Europe Europe kind of understands that those two things are very much tied together, right? And we're going to show but, them to but, you. But 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 and I've said this multiple times in the past. I've always liked that idea of a certain amount of restriction yeah because i like the creativity that that has that that Mm. has to generate Mm -hmm. because you have to find a way to say what you're saying Mm. in a way that's going to kind of skirt those lines Mm -hmm. and i i find that fascinating i that's why i love uh you know a lot of the stuff from the 40s and 50s and all that stuff when they had all these restrictions they had to kind of find a way to you know tell you that these two people are fucking Without mm. actually telling you that or showing you uh, these two people fucking, yeah. and that sort of, that whole that whole angle, I love the creativity that the the, the, the um, necessity mother of invention kind of thing that they had to do back then. Where in Europe they didn't have to do that. So, I, but but I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting that stuff from Europe because obviously I love that just as much. Uh, but I love that they had to be a little bit more clever. Uh, in America, and I think that that actually speaks a lot um, to how these movies are regarded now. Mm. Uh, because I mean, obviously, when when you it, it's it's one of those it's one of those kind of just because you can't do something doesn't mean you should uh, kind of angles. Mm. Uh, and I, I, and again, I don't want to I don't want to make it like I'm 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 browbeating or being like you know uh, snooty or, or all kind of fucking like you said puritanical about it because I'm not. Um, but I, I just, I love that there's that difference between the two. And I think that that's why there's a difference between the two. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't think that people think about that in a lot of ways. No, they don't. Uh, because they, no, because they just have, they only have the product in front of them. Yeah. Right. Well, I think you got uh, the, you got the added third element of this whole conversation, which is that Hitchcock is European. Well, uh, there's that as well. And he's working yeah, but, in the American but, but, system. Yeah. But by 19, 1960, he might as well have been American. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you could say that, but I, I would say that he was definitely there were some European aspects to Psycho that nobody else would have probably tried to pull off. Well, yeah, yeah. I, at least yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. Yeah. Think about it more and more. Yeah, no, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I, I do agree with you in a lot of ways. I mean, the movie does. Here's here's one of the things about Bava films that 
always kind of strike me, and I, I think you might agree with this. They always feel, a, and I think this is because of Bava himself, and I don't, I don't always consider this a, a, a detriment, but they always feel a bit in love with themselves, the films themselves. A bit, yeah, yeah. And I feel like yeah. this movie falls in love with itself a bit too much. Like for whatever reason, it 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 feels a little too long. I think it's the pacing, uh, and the story, the way the story kind of plays out. I think it can, everything that you know happens in the story can happen a lot quicker. But there's a lot of long shots of uh, people walking and stuff. Yes. Which, well, that's that's I think I think a large, large, large part of that is because I think that Bava was much more involved or interested in uh, atmosphere and ambience than he was in in any of these other things. Like he was he was he was a stylist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that style was where you know that was the the where his bread was buttered. That was what he was interested in. Uh, and if these other things in his movies came up, like everything else was a vehicle for him to to be able to do these these weird little, well, not weird. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. <clears throat> anyway, um, but um, he he was very much a style guy, uh, and I think that as a result, you know, character suffers, story suffers, pacing suffers. Um, but everything else about them is superlative, uh, easily on a par with somebody like uh, like a Hitchcock, which we keep comparing him to. Yeah. Uh, but he was very much in line uh, with Hitchcock in that regard. But Hitchcock had the added ability of actually being able to, you know, do some interesting things character-wise, whereas mm. Bava was, you know, very much not concerned with those things at all. No. Um, where you know. Um, Hitchcock always used to say that, you know, after I've gone through the whole process of uh, planning out and storyboarding it, everything else is boring to me. Like the shooting of a movie was boring to him after he had he'd gone through, you know, all of his his process of pre-production and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that I think that was almost kind of it was almost kind of the same, but not with Bob. I think that it was kind of like he was he was he was very much involved with he very much was in love with the, the technical aspects but at the same time i think that he was uh, a little bit more lively on set doing it you like you kind mm. of feel a little bit more electric mm-hmm. uh when he's actually when you're actually in the moment but you have to really be in the moment uh the thing is that those moments um tend to drag out a little bit too much because he's so you, you could you could almost feel him be, being lost uh, in his uh, in his sort of uh, atmospheres, right, right. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, and, and that that to me is kind of that's or in love with it, of, or in love with itself. Like I was talking about, yeah, that's that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, that's a much more succinct way of, of me uh, of what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then and that I get that a lot. I mean, even films I really like by him, like Danger Diabolic and and things like that. I mean, they're just films that you know just feel in love with themselves. And yeah, I, I forgot he did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't always oh, I love that one too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So that, that's a that's another thing about Bava. It's one of those things where you think you don't like him that much. I mean, no, I, I don't want to say that. You think you don't like as many films about Bava as you think you don't, and then you go and look at his filmography, and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of like that one too. Damn it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. one of those directors who kind of has that effect on people. I really don't have much more to add. I will say the Kino Blu-ray looks amazing, and oh, nice. uh, and I am very happy to have that in my collection because uh, it's a film that, you know. As far as films that, you know, if I was to show people 
influence, this is definitely one that I would show folks. And, uh, cool. you know, it could be a mixed bag on people's reaction to it. It's certainly not a an action uh, banger. You know, it's not going to get you uh, it's not going to get you going. But uh, you'll see the I influence on Steel, you know, that might get you going. It got me going. All right. Let's kick it over to you from Make or Breaks MVTs. All right, uh, make a break. I'm going to go with uh, the opening with the execution. I think that this really has all of the uh, the style and the innovation that Baba packed into this movie uh, and his career. Uh, and you know, and for its time, I think that uh, this would have been something to see back then in in a theater uh, to actually witness on screen. Uh, and I think that it, it would have had the intended effect. Uh, especially, I mean, I, I, I honestly couldn't imagine, uh, audiences, uh, seeing this thing, uh, play out, but I would have liked to have been there, uh, much in the same way again, like psycho. Uh, so MVT, I think that, uh, Barbara Steele, she's magnetic as all hell, but I, I gotta say that this is Bava's show. Uh, and you know, I, while I don't think that, you know, he doesn't give her anything too challenging to do on screen. Um, he absolutely knows how to wring out every last ounce of her charisma, uh, the light and the dark, uh, to say nothing of her heaving bosoms and, you know, splayed rib cage, uh, that we see later on or what have you. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it to Bob on that one, uh, as far as MVD goes, cause he knows how to, uh, to use what he's got, uh, and get it out there and score for me. I'm going to go to, I'm going seven out of 10. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, it's just a little bit too dry. It's just a little bit too, uh, poorly paced, I think in a lot of ways. Well, not in a lot of ways. Uh, it just is. Um, but, but the, 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 what, what it, what, what it gives, uh, it gives a lot of, and there's a lot to be said for that. So, uh, a lot of credit where it's due. Uh, make a break for me. I, I gotta go with the opening of the movie. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's impactful. And yeah. it'll suck you in right away. Uh, he makes no mistakes and makes no bones about it. He's going to show you exactly what you're in for, and uh, I like that. I don't know if it ever yeah, reaches. Yeah. I don't know if it ever reaches that epiphany again, but it's a hell of an opening. Um, my MVT. I I agree with you. It's it's definitely Bava in a lot of ways, but I'm gonna because I could give it to him for so many films, and I probably True. have. Because uh, I, I mean, I, and again, I totally agree with you. He probably is the MVT. I'm going to give it to Steel though, because I don't know if there's any other movie I can think of off the top of my head where she's super important to the movie. Like she's always a really nice addition to any movie. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know about being as valuable as she is to this movie. Like no, I, fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I'll give it to her on this one. And my score is just a little bit higher than yours. Uh, as you would imagine, we are within that uh, 0.5 threshold of 7.5. <laughs> it's always It always makes me chuckle when I hear you give a score first, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a half a point <laughs> higher or half a point lower. But, you know, I mean, I agree with you on all, all your points. And uh, it is still a wonderful uh, Bava film in a lot of ways. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And, and 100%, yeah, people should absolutely uh, seek out that, uh, that Kino. Yes. All right, and they're having a sale right now, so there you go. Oh, think, nice, even better. I think it's only ten bucks right now. Sweet. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a short break. Come back and talk about Little Rita in the West. <laughs> we'll be back right after this.
grande, un fiume che navigherei, ma senza video for this and Fritz is dancing as he often does when Rita sings in this movie. <laughs> well yeah, you gotta get down. <laughs> yeah. Oh good stuff. So this is Little Rita in the West, also known as uh Crazy Westerners Westerners, which isn't easy to say. And also no. known as Little Rita Nell West. Uh nineteen sixty seven Ferdinando Baldi. Um this is when uh this is when spaghetti westerns, you know, they were starting to lose some of their, some of their allure to get people into cinema. So they started spoofing and they started um, doing comedic versions and western versions. And like so many business models, they did everything they could to get people to keep coming to the theater. Right. And as genre tends to do. Mm-hmm. And this is Rita Pavone, who's a uh, a singing sensation in Italy at the time, and uh, I think her husband's in this movie as well. And uh, he got her in here. And then they bring Terrence Hill in here as well and, uh, you know, give it a little star power. Um, he plays a black star in this, and uh, they put it together. I think Teddy Reno is uh, Rita's uh, husband. He plays the sheriff in this, kind of the uh, sheriff with the rubber spine, as you, if you would. Mm. <laughs> and it also has Fernando Sancho in it, who I've always thought Fernando Sancho is like the he he's like the lesser Bud Spencer. It's like they couldn't get Bud Spencer, so they got Fernando <laughs> Sancho. Uh, but it also has Kirk Morris, who plays uh, Ringo in here, and Kirk Morris has done some uh, some bodybuilder movies. Uh, some Kirk Morris, who uh, did uh, he was in uh, what was it uh, Hercules, Samson, and Ulysses mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that I watched uh, a couple of weeks back. And the most unconvincing, uh, or one of the most unconvincing Native American performances ever by Gordon Mitchell in here. Is silly How about bull. that? Silly bull. And yet, and yet, he's still Gordon Mitchell. Uh, he is he, always Gordon Mitchell's the shit out of that. Oh man, does he ever? <laughs> I can't think of a movie of his where he might be. This might be the funniest Gordon Mitchell ever was. Well, yeah, you wouldn't know it from the way that he acts, but yeah. <laughs> when people say Charles Bronson. Uh, didn't well, it was ha- granite? Yeah, when they say Charles Bronson no, was granite, Mitchell. yeah, Come on. go back and look at Gordon Mitchell, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and of course we also get a little fun here with uh, Romano Pupo showing up again. Yes. We always got to yes. mention the Pupo. Always. Every time, yeah. the, I always got to step in the Pupo. We got to step in the Romano Pupo. Uh, basic plot <laughs> synopsis here: Little Rita is a female gunslinger who travels to the far west chasing outlaws. She takes gold from them and hides it in a cave. Well, she plans to blow up one day and get rid of the root of all evil, money. So uh-huh. this is a Western, not only with some singing and some dancing, but uh, also a, uh, well, uh, an opinion, so to speak. Uh, the Indians don't think money's a good thing. Rita uh, right. agrees right. with uh, Silly Bull and them, and uh, 
Silly Bull carries silly, around. Silly Bull. Silly Bull carries around a, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a golfing club, a golf club. Yes, yeah, it's carrying around. That might be a nine. Yeah, it might be a nine iron. That's right. It's pretty great. Um, uh, as we said, directed by Ferdinando Baldi, who is, uh, again, I've said over the years, pound for pound for me, one of the more underrated female, uh, female Italian directors. <laughs> uh, he directed quite a bit of stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, stuff yeah. we've done on the show. Uh, he's a really good Western director, and uh, I think that continues here. I think this is a totally different type of spaghetti Western, but I think this is still very well directed and a, uh, yeah, a very well-made film. Uh, it is bonkers, is what I will say about this movie. It, it is something that you really need to kind of adjust your expectations for. Yes. Because it's if you just go into it thinking one thing or the other you're really just going to be kind of thrown for a loop. You have to be really open-minded with this one. This one is... I would agree with that, yeah. Todd and I were talking about this off the air just right before we started recording this, but this is, I would say, one of the more optimistic and pleasant movie-watching experiences I've had for some time. Indeed. It just made me smile. Uh, The movie is certainly not perfect. It's not even close to that. No, but but what it... it, I think that it's net effect i think outweighs its deficiencies in a lot of ways yes i totally agree um, and you know full di- full disclosure now okay this was i know that you've seen this before i had not seen this before oh okay uh and this thing this thing came to me years ago uh by way of our our mutual friend shiftless oh okay um <laughs> I- who if you happen to be listening out there hey how i hope you're all good and you know all is well with you uh out there in shasta um but uh, he he had mentioned this movie and and for and it just this is one of those things that just sat in the back of my brain all these fucking years, uh, and I just kept thinking to myself, I'm gonna put it on this week, 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 and it just never happened. And then finally, I was just like, well, fuck it, let's just do it. And yeah, I threw it out there this week. So I'm glad you did though because it's it's a unique film even within the spaghetti western genre. And oh, indeed, yeah, it's. Probably one of the best examples of the spoofery they did when they started spoofing things. And uh, like all the really good spaghetti western spoofs, in my opinion, they work Terrence Hill in here. But Terrence Hill here, another reason to talk about this movie in an interesting way is this is one of the un-Terrence Hill-like performances you'll see. Yes. He yeah. he, he has, He's not as charming as he normally is. Yeah, he's he, kind of like smug. Well, yeah, he, he looks great. As he always does, because he had oh, a sure. he had a wonderful face, and he's got yes. great eyes, and you know he, he was a Franco Nero, basically a clone in some ways. Yes, 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 yes. But here he's got the darker hair. Uh, he's basically playing the heavy at first when you see him, and it's not a spoiler to say you know at first because he kind of comes around to the ways of thinking. But mm-hmm. he he is interesting here because you know, by this point you know you got the Trinity films, which I think is around this time or close to this time. Uh, yeah, it would have been, I think, just a hair earlier, yeah. I think. And he's, you know, he's becoming the Terrence Hill that we will, or some of us will, grow to love, uh, which is kind of this ne'er-do-well, kind of happy-go-lucky buffoon mm-hmm. uh, that we kind of enjoy or don't enjoy. I'm not, I'm not going to knock anybody who doesn't enjoy it because it, it you know, it... I guess I should say that the, one of the fun things about doing this show sometimes is getting into some of these other countries' genres that aren't as talked about. And one of them 
that I've always admired about you, Todd, that you've always picked is the Italian comedy. Uh, <laughs> because we don't do a lot of Italian comedies. And and the reason True. why, it, it might sound you know like we try to avoid it on purpose because it's a comedy. That's not the case. The reason I think we don't do a lot of Italian comedies is comedy is so subjective and the problem you get into when you get into other countries comedy is unless it's really broad it doesn't always translate very well right 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 and italy well that's and that's the thing that i think you you run into this a lot lot more i think with the asian yes uh, yes and and here's the thing is that in in asian cinema you tend to have that be a lot more ubiquitous like just as a matter of course even in their most serious stuff mm-hmm. uh you'll have some guy who's you know who's who's rubbing his ass and running around like a, a jerk mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and you're just saying like okay so but yeah you, ha- you have to take an instruction you really i mean context is key yes uh you really have to place these things in their context and if you're not going to then there's really no point in you watching these things in the first place because i mean uh, okay uh, as far as an experience okay yeah fine but at the same time I mean, if you don't if you don't take that into account when you're watching it, and be able to just give it a little bit of of, uh, of um, uh, grace or latitude or what have you, mm-hmm. then I, I really think you're you're doing a disservice, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, and that certainly applies to Italian comedies. Yes, so, yeah, and, and, abso- and absolutely one hundred percent this movie. Yes, I think that you know you gotta check yourself before you wreck yourself when it comes to watching this movie, right? Indeed. I, you do not want to wreck yourself with uh, Little Rita. You don't want to wreck yourself with anything. I wouldn't mind uh, wrecking myself with Little Rita. I would. Uh, but in saying that, man, does the, do, you, do you not get strong Emma Stone vibes from her? Uh, I do. And, uh, you know, full cards on the table here. I am a, I have a massive crush on, uh, Emma Stone and have ever since the day that uh, I saw her in super bad way yeah. back when. So, so there you go. Uh, if they ever made a Rita Pavone, uh, biopic biography, uh, yeah. dude, get fucking Emma Stone. Yeah, she, she, really she would actually probably have a ton of fun with that too, because I mean, look at, look at what you get to do. Well, she has that same charm. I think that Rita, exactly. that that Rita sort Pavone of does. Going, Easy going, uh, yeah, 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 almost, almost girl next story kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, sort of glamour, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, for want of a better expression. Yeah, right. I think so. I think the, I think that that's the vibe I was getting the whole time. I was like, I just really Absolutely. enjoyed yeah. spending time with Rita Pavone, and and mm-hmm. and I, you know, at first when it comes on, you think, okay, what kind of movie is this? Because it, so the opening, you basically get a stagecoach scene. Uh, it's interesting. It's kind of harping on uh, Sabata films a little bit, or maybe Sartana films more with the gadgets. Yes, uh, she has yes, a yes. she has a bullet here that's basically a golden grenade. Yes, uh, which is bizarre. Uh, there's actually a scene with. Uh, anyway, let me talk. Let me go back to the opening. So they they get the stagecoach here. Uh, you got a couple German guys to pull up. There's some inappropriate German humor. I think somebody calls somebody a Wiener Schnitzel at some point, <laughs> <laughs> which you know back in the day that that. Uh, that came up often. Uh, and then, you know, all this action, kind of regular spaghetti Western stuff happens, kind of in a comedic way. And you think, okay, this yeah. is a Western. And then they break into a song. And yeah. Fritz, the one of the German characters, uh, he just starts dancing away. And he can't help but be in love with Rita. And in a weird well, way, we are Fritz. We are Fritz throughout this movie. Fritz is. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. enjoying everything Rita's doing, just like Fritz is. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing. Okay, so I, what I found fascinating is this is 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Monty Python's Flying Circus would not appear for another two years. Yeah. But the opening shot of this movie is basically Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's Rita oh. riding up from a very long distance away. Mm-hmm. She rides up and she says, how? And then we cut to this really wacky animated credit sequence. Yes. <laughs> I, I find it very difficult to believe. Uh, that those guys hadn't seen this movie, even though it's such a fucking, it's such a side pocket movie that uh, you know you you would think to yourself that there's no fucking way. But at the same time, this is this is a hundred percent every opening to Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah. Uh, but that's but that's this is also the, the, the that's the draw uh, for me with this thing. Not so much that there's this odd uh, like like what you're talking about here with the opening. The, this this odd tonal mixture that we got going on here, and not just because this is you know Western musical, uh, the the movie has this sort of um, it has the the the, the sort of uh, bloodthirsty mean qualities that we expect out of a spaghetti Western. Yes. But then there's this really kind of offhanded lightness to it as well. So you get like Fritz dances. So you know, the, 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 this beginning scene, Reed and Fritz, you know, they trade banter like with the Wienerstenzel shit and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they're they literally are standing there doing this while they're shooting outlaws in the back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, they break out into song while one of the outlaws' victims lies there bleeding and dying. And then afterwards, he croaks, yes. and the two share like this really kind of hearty laugh about it. It's just, it's bizarre. It is, it is, and that, it's bizarre. But it's, it's so, it, dude, you, it's I, endearing. I, it's endearing. Me myself, I, I couldn't. Yeah, right. I could not help but be drawn into this thing. Yeah. And it draws you right in, and and and, and that's what I Absolutely. love about it. And I'm, I was like, okay, I'm in for this ride again. And I sat yeah, back and watched yeah. it. So there, I'll, I'll give you full disclosure. The first time I saw this, I probably was not in the right frame of mind because at the time, I believe the first time I saw this, so my mom was a big Terrence Hill fan. She thought he was really attractive, and uh, you know, I can see that because he is an attractive man. And she, and my mom and dad both love the Trinity films, and so we saw those quite a bit growing up. Like one of the first. VHS they actually sprung money for or somehow they found a copy of was Trinity and it's one of the reasons why I picked it for one of the, for the very first episode we ever did and, and because it was such a pivotal part of my life so it was one of the early spaghetti westerns for me was Trinity so uh, they call me Trinity uh, or Trinity is my name or whatever they I think it's they call me Trinity I believe it's they call me Trinity yeah uh, Trinity is still my name as a sequel which we've never done uh, which is right. weird right. I don't know how we've never done that but either way I I probably saw this sometime high school or maybe sometime after that on some ruddy VHS. And I, I wanted a spaghetti Western. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm talking so much about this in the beginning is this is a spaghetti. It is a spaghetti Western. There's no doubt about that. But it is nothing like the spaghetti Westerns you're used to seeing. Uh, uh, yeah. Even Trinity, it's, it's beyond that in so many yes. ways. Or it mine. is. It's a, it's completely on another level. Yes, and it's 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 a it's a little ridiculous, but it, it, at the same time that ridiculousness, <laughs> yeah, the ridiculousness is is part of its charm, and they're really smart here to kind of put you know Rita Pavone, who's this kind of pixieish, uh, yeah, 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 happy go lucky uh, lady in this movie and she works really well and she carries all of the scenes she does pretty well i mean even the fight scenes, and the camera the camera loves her yes the fight scenes are choreographed very heavily and you can kind of tell that a little bit but even then she does sure. a pretty good job no i think she's she's very capable mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and she's very capable of being able to, to carry this thing off mm-hmm. so so the rita character essentially is going through almost in a weird way some type of spaghetti western history in this movie and that she runs into a Ringo, runs into a Django, 
Yep. She runs into a Sancho. Yep. Um, these are famous names in spaghetti western lore. So again, it's kind of commenting on itself. Um, the Django interaction is very on the nose, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's funny and it works. Uh, I kind of, I kind of quite liked it. That actor, that's the only thing he ever did. Um, it's pretty, it's a pretty good little performance, a little kind of curio piece. Right, right, right. I think it might have been even funnier if they'd put Terrence Hill in that, but you know, it, it's. It, I think that you know, having him do his kind of different character thing here as Black Star is is probably for the best. And yeah. then, well, I mean, and this is this is kind of uh, one of the the movie because because the movie is, I think, it, it's very counterculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, this is one of those counterculture aspects that's going on in this thing is you know how the movie's I think clearly trying to deconstruct maybe not the western. Uh, but certainly the spaghetti western of the time. Oh yeah, uh, and or the whole idea of you know uh, you know capital L capital W legends of the west, mm-hmm. uh, and you know replacing them with something entirely new, or at at a bare minimum offering like uh, an an alternative. So you know, like like we said, uh, you know she's hunting down these these outlaws and two of the main ones that we see or that we get extended sequences with are Ringo and Django, and the Django scene especially is very 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 specific. Uh, and what it takes from the uh, the Corbucci picture, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's mm-hmm. literally he's dragging the coffin with with the machine gun, and his hands yeah. are mangled. Yeah, uh, his showdown takes place in a graveyard. Yeah, uh, and Fritz, you know, and, uh, by that same token, in the idea of deconstruction, you know, the Fritz character he whistles for us, like we've heard we, we've heard in so many yes. uh, spaghetti westerns before as well. But at the same time. You know, Rita's got a, a grenade gun like a, like a Sartana or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and you know these weird, odd specialty weapons that he has. So she still uh, she still partakes uh, in in the in the tropes that they're deconstructing. Uh, and I really I, I find that both fascinating and fun. Yes, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think so, yeah, you know, no. Baldy was the guy that they you know hired to do these movies, and I think they did the right job. And I want to say that I mean. That he was never afraid. Baldy was never afraid to kind of comment on genre as much as he was afraid. As much as he was willing to do genre, he was never willing. You know, he was never. He wasn't like he would. He wasn't above it. I guess is the best way to put it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like you know, he would come back and 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 make comments on the genre by doing yeah. these and stuff. Yeah, he wasn't a snot about it. Yeah. Yes. Um. I I I don't have a whole lot more to add. I mean, it, it's a very simple movie. Yes. Um and and with some song and dance in there and stuff. Now, if you're coming for a Terrence Hill movie, you need to be prepared because he doesn't come into the movie until almost about an hour into the movie. Uh, it's about that, yeah. Yeah. So it and the movie's only an hour and a half long. So he yep. he really yep. doesn't show up to almost about I think it's like fifty minutes, fifty something minutes before he shows up into the movie. So he's on the box or on the poster very heavily, and obviously, wow. I mean that's yeah. You you understand why, but. Sure. Yeah, it's just it's interesting that um, the way he decides to do it, the way he decides to, the, and when I say he, I mean Baldy, the way he decides to kind of work him in there, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I think that I'm going to guess the Trinity was after this because I believe Django prepare a coffin is the uh, the one that uh, yeah, so that's when they're still trying to turn Terrence Hill into the next Franco Nero and they didn't quite understand yet that they had a comedic actor more than they had a uh, a uh, 
romantic, kind of sullen, kind of heavy actor like they did with Nero. Because they were still trying to, well, they because Nero was going off to America and they needed yeah. another Nero. Yeah. And well, they they call me Trinity was seventy nineteen seventy. Okay, so there you go. So it is after this. Yes. And I knew I was thinking because Baldy is did the, the the other Django film I like, which in some ways I might like even more than the original Django, which is the Terrence Hill one, the Django Prepare Coffin. Prepare Coffin. Yeah. Oh yeah, Vingo Viva Django is what it's also known as, mm. which is the one that has uh, George Eastman in a uh, pinstripe suit. Which is amazing. <laughs> if you can make a you know a giant man look even taller, put him in pinstripes. Uh, Hell yeah, it's all going up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that's definitely a recommend. We covered that a long time ago, but definitely check that out if you guys haven't seen that. But I think that you know what I, I love when we do a movie on this show, and it just makes me remember why I love movies so much. Uh. And this movie took me out of whatever funk I was in that afternoon. It just put me in a very special place. And it made me, you know, both movies this week are, just felt like labors of love. They felt like movies made by people who love movies for people who love movies. Uh, yeah, indeed, yeah. And yeah, yeah. that was a really nice feeling because sometimes you come away and it can be kind of heavy and you got all these heavy elements to talk about. But here, there's not a lot of heavy elements i mean i think that this is just happy-go-lucky the animation is is cool and kind of quaint yep very the interaction between rita and terrence hill is kind of sweet um it's not on the nose go ahead i think that i think that it says i think that it says a lot that you know you and i uh will tend to gravitate towards these things a bit more and have a bit more fondness for things like this now uh, when we're in a time which is so uh, heavy-handed yes. and uh, cynical, yeah, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this is the same thing that we saw, you know, the, well that that the world saw, cinema saw, uh, back in the '30s with the whole white phone uh, pictures back then. You know, oh, okay, they yeah. would, uh, you know, people who were who were you know having this terrible time would go to to watch these opulent. Uh, you know, people, and they're like, "Well, why would you want to watch fucking people who are well?" Because it was it was a complete escapism. I don't have to fucking. I don't yes. think about the Bowery that I live in. Yes, where I have to fucking you know where I live in one room with ten people, uh, and you know where life is absolutely shitty. Right. Uh, and I think that that's a large part of uh, of what's happening right now. And I, I think that that you know obviously that speaks to our time. And I'm not gonna you know obviously I'm not gonna get into more than that or labor it but i think that's a large part of it uh mm-hmm. and i think that that's something that definitely occurs to me as i watch these things now and 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 that absolutely affects uh what i want to watch mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. very much so these days yes so. yeah yeah, that's a good point i just you know this was like a really nice breath of fresh air yeah yeah, yeah it was one of those yeah. movies too where and i don't know if you felt this way but it's one of those movies where i almost wish like you were there with me Aww, to watch so it sweet. yeah but i mean it is it's it's one of those ones where i feel like the glee you know you want to look over at that friend of yours and yeah, and yeah. smile you know that like-minded yeah. friend of yours and just kind of smile at the uh at the wonders of what you're watching and it is again it is a bizarre experience i'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that it's the greatest movie ever made it is not that but i can tell you this if you didn't like this movie for its wackiness then you probably are pretty angry at everything (laughs) and you don't know it because this movie is so full of optimism that I just kind of came away with like the biggest smile 
like the yeah, biggest yeah. smile and i just enjoyed every minute of it i really did and i'm so glad we we talked about it because we don't talk about these kind of you know happy go lucky let's sing a song let's dance now obviously there's a lot of you know you got to address this nowadays there's a lot of cultural appropriation here but that that comes oh, with anything yeah. that comes with anything from this time um you well, do have italians playing indians and you have americans playing indians and you know it is what it is I'm not going to well, say yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I mean, just from just from the the Gordon Mitchell silly bull character, and you know, I, you, you really shouldn't even have to mention that there isn't an actual Native American within a thousand miles of this movie. <laughs> Probably not. You know, so for for those of you of, of easy offense, you know, stay away from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I won't even get into you know when the banditos show up, uh, and how that's portrayed. Though you know, full full disclosure, I did chuckle at that scene. Oh yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, because it is funny. Oh, it is. Uh, it is. But I mean, you know. That's that's the thing is you know you you really have to just kind of just you know not be a douche when you're watching this movie I guess is the best way to put it or the most indelicate way that I could think of putting yeah. it. You can't, it. You can't put too much thought into it. I mean, this is this one of those ones that I think is you know I think everybody has movies like these that right, just right, kind of right, right, wash right. over you and make you feel better. And then everybody wants some people want every movie to do that for them. And sure. that's what they go to the movies for. Uh, typically, I go to the movies to kind of look at the kind of comments on social interaction and, and just things I like. But I also, like any movie lover or any story lover, I also like to be just kind of taken along for the ride every now and then. And this yeah. is one of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, that's really okay, all I got. I, yeah, that's good? all I got. Okay. So, yeah. Now, the songs in this thing, they're not translated into English. So if they happen to be conveying actual story information or character development, it's pretty tough to tell. Uh, but that being said, uh, the music is, you know, naturally uh, anachronistic uh, with the Old West, as is the dancing that uh, that everybody gets up to. Where I think they, and in several instances, they may in fact be doing the frug, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, but that's not really too out of joint for like a period musical to begin with. Uh, what hurts these moments for me is the the really hammy mugging and like overplaying of everything. Like this is kind of like this chintzy vaudeville review sort of thing, um, because it it stands out uh, in in a, in a way that that's just kind of like not not painfully not not that it's not that it detracts like overall, but it's something that it's it's more noticeable. Uh, in, in that in that sort of way, rather than being like a uh, like something that you would like take points off for, if that makes sense. No, it does. Um, I never felt so, like oddly. I never, as much as I thought in the beginning that the music scenes would take me out of the movie. It's very right. interesting that they never really do. Yeah, they yeah, feel natural yeah, yeah. in some weird, odd way. Even though I agree yeah, with you, it's, I not, it's not those things. It's not those things that that that, that are uh, like the things that you notice as being. Yeah, like false. It's the it's the stuff surrounding it yes, in a way. Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree <laughs> with you on that. Uh, one of the interesting things that I found was that you know uh, the Gordon Mitchell character, he proclaims that uh, Rita herself is like a fairy tale and a legend. Uh, so, and you know, if we if we buy that, uh, then I think it makes some of the the hijinks that we get here, like I was saying, a little bit easier going. So, you know, that, that that's kind of how we kind of smooth the way. That's how we kind of like pave the. Uh, Roll out the uh, the tarmac, as it were, the asphalt. Um, I am driving what she's paving. Uh, in other words, uh, of course, what we're you know that we're watching a musical at all. You know, we really shouldn't need to be told these things. Uh, but I find it interesting, uh, and it certainly allows, I think, for some interesting moments as the movie goes on. 
Um, so to get a little bit into, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, uh, I, I want to say, well, maybe not esoteric, but uh, a little bit more uh, deep dive sort of aspects of a, a movie that's incredibly light. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like uh, like Sammy said, you know, this is the basic idea of the movie is that uh, Rita's going around. She's killing outlaws in order to hoard their money in the cave for Sitting Bull, who wants to blow it up and end violence and, and war and so on. OK, so. Um, the first thing that I thought of and what this may remind some folks of, I think, uh, and certainly reminded me, uh, of is the idea behind fight club. Uh, even though it's not really that, uh, but it kind of is. And of course, uh, what I would say is, you know, it's, it's a noble enough idea. Uh, although it obviously would never work, uh, going all the way back to, you know, the basic idea of, you know, money uh, as a means of uh, bartering, you know, things of, of value. Uh, with mo- no money, there, you know, would be more taking by force than there than there is with money. Uh, but that's a whole other show and discussion entirely. Although I do think uh, that it just it needs to be mentioned just in passing, uh, just a point because it is something that the the whole movie is kind of premised on. Uh, but as far as the movie's plot goes, um, this whole thing is 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 I think obviously. Uh, more born out of the whole hippie counterculture thing uh, going on and all that, you know, pie in the sky uh, naivete uh, that they had uh, all throughout the, this particular period, um, both in America and abroad, obviously. Uh, and, you know, and, and like I said earlier, um, when I was talking about the, the, the deconstruction aspects, is I think that for me, the mo- this movie in and of itself is counterculture. There are There are very, very few uh, female gunslingers in the history of cinema. Um, one of the others being, uh, Jane Fonda's Capaloo, which is also kind of interestingly, uh, also a musical, um, uh, as if, you know, in order to have a, a female Western lead, she had to sing and dance in order to be worthy of, of screen time and a budget. And I don't know, uh, if the box office of, uh, of Capaloo versus something like, uh, Hanny Calder with, um, uh, Raquel oh my Welch. God, I can't think of her name. Raquel Welch, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, gives evidence in that regard or not. But Rita has, you know, she has no real issue uh, with getting down to business. And she's certainly the equal of any of the men uh, that she comes up against. And she doesn't need a man to complete her uh, in a lot of ways. So I assume that this may pass the uh, the dreary old Bechdel test. Uh, although, you know, once the, uh, the Terrence Hill character shows up, uh, maybe not so much. But, you know, I honestly don't really care enough about that philosophy to... Uh, to dig too deep on it. Uh, but I think that Rita Pavone uh, in and of herself is, is extremely capable in the role. Uh-huh. Uh, and like I said earlier, and, and, you know, sure she's not exactly menacing. Um, no. but I think that for, for the tone, uh, and for what's required, I think that she's, a, she does a pretty damn nice job over action in the, in the more, uh, performative moments. Yes. Uh, and of course it helps that, you know, she's totally adorable. Like you said, you, you mentioned pixie-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the camera absolutely, uh, loves her. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Barbara so, Steele. I mean, it's, 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 it's the inverse of Barbara Steele in a lot of ways, but it's, it's, it's kind of like her. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were, two, yeah, they were, they, yeah, they were coming from different angles, but achieving the same end. Yes, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Baldi's direction in this thing is really on point, uh, and the film looks great. Uh, in all fairness, so I mean, I, I mean, if if you subtracted the lighter 
elements out of this movie, you would have something that was a hundred percent as much a spaghetti western as any spaghetti western has ever spaghetti western. <laughs> yes. um, so, <laughs> yes, I give a lot of credit to uh, to Baldy uh, for what he's doing uh, <laughs> behind the camera on this thing. Um, so yeah, I mean the the plot itself is very wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, and I think that because of the musical aspects, it runs about 15 minutes too long, maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but the movie overall, and like we've been saying, it's, it's fun and it's light. In fact, um, it may be too light, I think, uh, for some people. Yeah. Uh, and I could absolutely see some people being offended by the irreverence, although I would question why they chose this movie to watch in the first place at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, I, you know, it almost, this doesn't, it, it almost doesn't feel like a movie. Uh, and part of that, you know, also comes from its largely episodic structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film, you know, it really doesn't develop out much until about the last half hour or so, like when the Terrence Hill character comes in, uh, when, it, you know, it takes that hard turn, uh, story wise. Um, but still, I think that there's a lot to recommend this thing. It's very well made. Uh, it's, it's, pretty funny uh, all things being equal uh, and it has a lot of very very unique aspects uh, that make it absolutely singular as an experience as an uh, what's the word? Uh, yeah uh, experience there we go I, I sounded it out like I did in kindergarten um, <laughs> but I mean I, I would absolutely watch this thing again and, and it's like you were saying you do really it does this movie does wash over you. Yes. Uh, in a way, and it just really just it, it man, this thing is good vibes. Uh, to uh, to borrow a bit of the parlance of the time, um, that just you know it, it's really you can't walk away from this movie and be shitty, right? For like maybe ten minutes of your life, yeah, you can't you can you can walk away from this movie and just be like happy with life, happy with the world around you, mm-hmm. uh, until all of reality sets in again. Yeah, um, and it's kind of the definition in a lot of ways of like you know the you know the show motif of midnight cinema. I mean, sure, it's sure. Just, it's such a wacky kind of construction and kind of demonstration of what movies can do that like I Indeed, could totally yeah. see this if it would have caught on as like a midnight viewing. You know, probably par- partially the problem is I agree with you. You know, the the songs are not in English, so I don't really know what the hell's going on. But sure. I, you get the gist. You do. You get enough of it. You get enough of it to to be able to carry you through. Uh, and I don't think that, I don't think, I honestly don't think that knowing what they're saying in those, uh, parts, uh, would really affect you overall, uh, mm-hmm. negatively. Yeah. You know, if, if you happen to, you know, no matter how they wanted to describe whatever the fuck they're describing, because you don't know, because right. I'm not, you know, that fluent. So, right. um, but yeah, no, that that's pretty much it for me as well. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I really dug this thing uh, on the first time, and I would absolutely recommend this to uh, people with the certain, uh, you know, hey, don't fuck this up for everybody, sort of things. Yeah. Well, uh, I I'd, I'd, sort of caveats. If you're adventurous, if you're a cinema lover, well, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go that much. I wouldn't even go that far. Uh, I would say that you know, listen for everybody. If you like if you like Greece, you would like this movie. I oh think. yeah. Uh, I think that, but, but you, but you also have to be, you know, you also have to say to people if they're going to go into this, it's just like, listen, man, it is what it is. It's of its time. Don't fuck it up for everybody else. Enjoy <laughs> it or don't enjoy it. Yeah. But this is what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, because unfortunately we have to fucking do these things now. We have to fucking trigger warn everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, again, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time. But yeah. regardless, 
uh, I would I would recommend this to to people who just want to have a good time uh, and are not averse to uh, movies that were made in other countries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, uh, make or break for me on this one. Ooh, man, there's a lot of good scenes in here. <laughs> so I like the the Ringo showdown in the bar. Uh huh. I think it's pretty great. Um, there's bullet on bullet action. Yep. That, that sounds naughty. But it's uh, it's not. It's like the docking of uh, <laughs> yeah, totally Western showdowns. These, these bullets are definitely docking. There's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can't help but be immature, can we? The uh, nah. the it's it's great. Uh, it's a great scene. It's it's played well comedically and it's well shot. And again, I think you know Kirk Mitchell. It looks really good as this Ringo character. Uh, matter of fact, it makes me wish he would have done more spaghetti westerns. He looks really good. He looks like uh, he does look like uh, Elvis Presley in that western he did in a, in a weird way. Oh, uh, Ch- uh, Charo. Charo, yeah, he looks like Charo. He looks like right? uh, yeah. yeah. Um, MVT. I'm going to go with Pavone on this one. I could give it to Baldy on other stuff, but I'm going to go with her because she was really, you know, going back and watching this. It just reminds me of how kind of fun she is to watch. Uh, she gets down, she cuts a rug here, she sings some songs, she does some emotional <laughs> acting. She does the whole thing. I mean, this is a star vehicle. And uh, they tried yes. to make her a movie star. I don't think she I don't think she did very many films. She did a few. Uh again, her husband's in here playing the sheriff. I think he was an actor and singer as well. Um uh but you know, I think that she carries the load of this movie. Uh, this is definitely Terrence Hill as supporting actor, even though his face is more prominent on the poster. Obviously, that's probably a poster that came out after, or maybe not. Maybe they just you know put his face up there because again he looks so much like Franco Nero that they you know uh, trying to sell that as much as you can. Maybe people are like, oh, it's not Terrence Hill, that's Franco Nero. I got to go see this new Franco Nero movie, and then they get in there and they see an hour worth of Rita Pavone. So before <laughs> they even get the Franco Nero look like, yeah. Uh, but I think that that's part of the, the, the glamour of this movie or the glee of this movie to me is just her. Mm. She's so wonderful in this performance and in this movie. And with saying that, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10. Uh, I think this movie is Damn. is wonderful. I think it's just, it's just happy-go-lucky and wonderful. It just made me feel really good. Yeah. And well, uh, go ahead. I'm glad that uh, I was able to put a little bit of joy in your life. Yes. Uh, with a pick, so nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, outside of the score, uh, you and I are a hundred percent locked up on this one. Uh, yeah, the make or break is is the uh, the the uh, the Ringo scene. I I love that bit uh, where the bullets are hitting each other in midair and sparking. It looks great and it's a really cool idea. Uh, and it's just yeah, it's 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 really really marvelous. Uh, MVT, you know, uh, I think that. Baldi's direction is is quite good, if a bit, a little bit workmanlike. So that's why I'm going to go with Pavone. Uh, she really, really, really is fun to watch uh, whenever she's on screen, and she clearly has talent to burn. Um, I think that it would have been nice to see her in this with a, a bit more substance to 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 do. But you know what can you do? Um, and score for me, I'm I'm lower than you on this one. Uh, but I'm always lower than you on on most things, so uh, we take it in stride. It's seven out of ten. Um, I 100% like this thing, uh, and like I said, I would 100% recommend it to people. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, but see, <laughs> I, to me, your score makes total I was, sense. I was, I was really, I was really, I was really happily, happily surprised. Yeah. 
uh, buy this thing yeah. uh, as a first-time watch. I think your so score thank is, you to Shiftless if you happen to be out there listening. Yes, thank you to Shiftless. Been a friend of the show for a long time. The mm. the uh, I totally agree with your score, though. I think it makes total sense to me as well. I mean, sure, that, but I mean we're we're right in that realm. I think for me, in a lot of ways, yeah, so. yeah. I think for me though, it just uh, I mean the smile it put on my face. It just it probably it probably scored it higher than I normally would. But man, it just it just made me happy. And that's, and that's fine. That, that's a good we feeling. Need this thing, man. Yes, we do. <laughs> Jesus, we do. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so everybody, that's the big show. Yeah, baby. We got another one under our belts. So next week we're coming back and we're going to talk about some more movies. Um, that's what we do here. Uh, we hope you are entertained by that. Uh, we at least know Walt is. Uh, <laughs> no, we know. <laughs> I know there's listeners out there. I see the numbers. So we appreciate everybody who downloads the show and listens to the show. Uh, what are we picking next week, Todd? What do you got next week? Uh, I am going with uh, Ovidio G. Asonitis' uh, 1974 Opus uh, Beyond the Door. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I'm just going to leave that. I'm going to let that one drop because yeah. <laughs> what what can you say? I got really? a bad case of assonitis from watching it. Yeah, right? No. I got, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I got some fun things to talk about when we talk about that one, though. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because there's some... I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. And I am picking, uh, <laughs> I am picking uh, Doom Asylum from 1988. Uh, directed uh-huh. by Richard Friedman. Uh, you, this is, you picked something with that one. <laughs> yeah. This is from 1980, like I said, 88. And uh, this is an Arrow release. So I'm, uh, you know, kind of get the Arrow video stuff on there as much as I can because I still love Arrow video. And thank God companies like Arrow video and them exist uh, to keep putting these movies out because I don't know who else would. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously <laughs> these, these boutique labels would, but I'm just saying thank God for them. You know, that, that that's what I'll say. I'm happy they exist. I'm surprised somebody hasn't picked up Beyond the Door yet. I just got to be honest with you right now. Uh, yeah, right. I put that out there. But uh, all right, so that's next week, Beyond the Door and Doom Asylum. Um, we hope you have a good week. And with that, I will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema.com at gmail.com. Thank you.